Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Under the Shield Fight in Progress podcast. Each week, we discuss the personal internal fights challenging law enforcement officers today with our candid conversations about mental wellness, relationships, community, stress coaching, training, and much, much more. And now, please join me in welcoming our hosts, Susan Lewis-Simmons and Ace Walker. Good morning, Ace. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Good. Here we are on our second podcast. Yep. So with, we're up and running. Yeah. I've been excited for this one. We've talked about this particular episode for, I don't know, a couple months now coming into this. This was one, a big goal for us. We were going to have on Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, a yes. close friend of yours. He is. Uh, somebody I haven't had the pleasure of meeting with before, although we've talked a little bit before this episode started, um, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Well, Dave, we want to welcome you to the show, and I can't thank you enough, my friend, for agreeing to do this with us today. Susan, it's, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm, I'm the number one member of your fan club out there. I believe in what you're doing with law enforcement. I've supported it. Uh, and for all you out there, anytime I'm anywhere in Susan's area, she comes to my class. We put a pile of her cards out there. We, we let people know, here's somebody on your side, somebody really knows what's going on. And uh, and, and I'm so glad you started this podcast and, and well, eager to be a part of it. We'll well, go rock thank and roll. You. Thank you so much. You probably just boosted my ratings more than I'll ever get them ra- boosted again. But um, I have to ask you, though, Dave, as long as I've known you, and it's been well over two decades, you've been traveling for 300 days a year. Tell me how you're doing not traveling most of this year. Well, you know, we used to say uh, I'm on the road somewhere between two and 300 days a year. And of course, uh, all that's come to screeching halt. We've done some online live remote presentations that have gone real well. Good. Also, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. I'm doing a lot of uh, radio shows, doing everything I can do. Got a new book out just this spring. Uh, uh, I think in the end, my most important book came out uh, on, on spiritual combat. It's, oh, nice. uh, you know, in the end, we're, we're wrestling against forces of evil. And, uh, and one of the things for people to think about, uh, you know, when, Cops see evil all the time. Now, most people cops deal with are just confused, misoriented, or or maybe they're just in need of correction. I love that phrase, right? We've got correctional facilities. Yes. And we'll send them off to get corrected. <laughs> most people deal with there are not evil. But there is true evil in this world. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, I've got all kinds of things on the wall. I've got all kinds of plaques and certificates and maybe one of the largest coin collections in private hands in the world. But I want to show you and your audience. The, the thing that's dearest to me, uh, there was a, a, a massacre in an Amish school, West Nickel Mines Amish school, about a decade back, a little over. And uh, a man came and held a classroom of Amish kids hostage. He told the boys to leave and and ultimately ended up uh, executing the girls one by one. And, uh, and uh, I was there after that. They asked me to come. I donated my time. We had all the first responders. They were hurting. We had the Amish school people there, and we had the fathers of the victims. The Amish never come to things like that, but they came to this one. They told me that the Amish forgive, but they don't forget. And uh, one little Amish father came up to me, and uh, he said, my daughter was there. He said, I didn't lose my daughter. I lost the daughter I had. I said, sir, I'm not sure I understand. He said, she's a vegetable. She's brain dead. Wow. So when it was all over... They, uh, they gave me something. And this is a, a painting of that little Amish schoolhouse. It's been torn down and replaced since then, but it's called uh, In Happier Times. And on the back of it, all of the Amish uh, parents and school people signed it for me. And if you ever use, if you ever use the word evil, use on what happened that day. Yes. Or two classrooms full of first graders slaughtered in Sandy Hook Elementary School. These are acts of pure evil. Yes. And law enforcement, you see evil. You see senseless murders. You see brutalization of, of children and others. And, and, and in the face of evil, you need to have a, a force for good on your side. And I believe that with all my heart. Uh, uh, the faith is one of the pillars of resiliency. And, and in the end, this might be one of my most important books on spiritual combat. Just the year before that, our book, uh, Bulletproof Marriage, came out, 90-Day Devotional. Mm-hmm. And it's doing real good. It was uh, it was a finalist. It was Christian Book Award finalist. And uh, we got so many great, uh, it's five minutes a day, sheepdog and spouse, military and law enforcement. 
we've got a really great response. So that's that's kind of what I've been doing with my time. But one of the things I've been doing is advising people on masks. I, I've got a really great, one of the best places to weave in with me is LinkedIn. I've got 26,000 really good, reasonably well-vetted people on LinkedIn. And I've got an article I'll be posting on there soon. And then I, that'll be kind of a rough draft. It'll be picked up by some major distributor talking about the incredible harm that's being done by masks. Yeah, most of you know my, my first book out there is On Killing. It uh, came out in 1995. It's uh, been updated since then. It's uh, translated into in a whole bunch of languages, sold half a million copies in English alone. Uh, Google Scholar says it's been uh, cited in over 2,700 scholarly works. Wow. And, and I tell people that, uh, Great book. I just that it again. psychology is not about teaching people to be psychos. <laughs> Criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. And killology is not about teaching people to kill. Right. It's about understanding the factors that enable and restrain killing in our society. And one of the things we know without a doubt is that masks, that everybody wearing a mask, greatly emphasizes aggression, assault, and ultimately murder. Uh, city after city across America, we're seeing more murders so far this year than all of last year put together. And last year was a bad year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and why? What's the new factor? The thing to understand is masks empower the killer. Masks create a sense of anonymity. And at the same time, masks make the victim more vulnerable. You know, Israeli research says that if you're, uh, if you're kidnapped and uh, they put a hood over you, or put a, you know, then, then you're far more likely to be killed by your captors. You think, well, I, I got a blindfold, I got a hood, I can't identify them, I'm not a threat to them. That's not what keeps you alive. Mm -hmm. What keeps you alive is empathy and, and, mm -hmm. and the mask dehumanizes you. Without a doubt, you know, it's one thing for a politician in his basement, for a, for a, a millionaire sitting in his mansion to say, oh, everybody should be wearing a mask. And they got, they got servants that do their shopping for you and they got people yeah. who mow the lawn for you. But for real people, got to interact with the world, maybe in a hostile workplace wearing masks all day long. Uh, it, it is creating great conflict and, and problems in our society. I tell people we got a third of a billion people, every one of them interacting with others every day. That's billions of contact points in America. And, and those are friction points. And, and the big question, you know, we talk about on killing, is not that one in a million terrible crime. The hard thing to explain is that 99.9% .9 of our citizens will go a lifetime, never kill anybody or even seriously attempt to explain that. Divorce, infidelity, layoff, traffic accidents, in a lifetime of provocation, less than one in a thousand people will even seriously attempt to take a human life. Explain that. Inside most healthy members of our society is a powerful resistance against killing your own kind social, psychological, physiological, physical factors that create these barriers that, 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 that make killing far less likely. And I, and I talk about that again in my book on killing about these, these violence-enabling factors. Mm -hmm. But the mask is like a handful of sand thrown into your engine block. Every friction point, every contact point, that is the friction of the mask. And we pay a terrible price for that. So what I tell people is when you're wearing a mask, you've got a tremendous obstacle to overcome. Sure. And first is develop your nonverbal skills. There's a lot of nonverbal things we can do. The hand to the chest and a bow, a salute and a thumbs up. You know, just a salute can be mocking, but a salute and a thumbs up. I pass cops in the airport every day, you know, and I give them a salute and a thumbs up, you know, and, and just making eye contact and nodding to people. Yes. So work on those nonverbal dynamics that you can put out, that salute, that thumbs up, that two thumbs up. Work on those nonverbals that you can work on. And avoid shouting. When yes. you people wear a mask, they feel like they've got to shout. And to a certain degree, you do. It, it muffles communication. Mm -hmm. But shouting is an aggression sign. It's an aggression signal. Talk clearly and calmly. If they need you to talk louder, they'll ask you to. And then you can raise the volume without it being an aggression signal. But as bad as it is for our cops out there, and it's bad, we've had a bad couple of years, as bad as it is to master making it even worse. Yes. And that's really the first step in resiliency is for people to understand 
just how bad the situation is. So uh, uh, what I tell people, and this is terribly important, it's, it's one of the things I tell people, remember nothing in the first hour of my presentation, remember this, murder is being held down by medical technology. Every year that docs are saving a life, preventing a murder that just a year ago uh, wouldn't have been done. So uh, we got uh, uh, medical technology on the battlefield, a wound that nine out of 10 times would have killed you in World War II. Today, nine out of 10 times you survived that wound and the same thing is true in our streets. Yes. So check this out, now this is really important. We got a major UMass Harvard study that says between 1960 in 1999, medical technology cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter of what it would otherwise be. Just think about that. From 1960 to the year 2000, we cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter would it otherwise be. Count the number of murdered people, multiply by four, and that's how many would have died with 1960 technology, and that date is 20 years old. The leaps and bounds of life-saving technology in the last 20 years is astounding. One medical expert tells me he believes tourniquets alone have cut the murder rate in half in just the last decade. You know, I teach cops by the hundred. I say, how many of y'all carry a tourniquet? How many carried a tourniquet 10 years ago? <laughs> if a cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a life, he's prevented a murder. Yes. And EMS and cops and citizens and veterans, they all carry tourniquets. If just 20 to 30 people today slap on a tourniquet, save a life, we cut the murder rate in half. And, and the criminology community, they know this. They just don't like where that data goes. Their narrative is there is no boogeyman. There is no bad man. You don't need a gun. You would just hurt yourself. And our problem is not out of control cops. Our problem, our problem is not criminals. Our problem is out of control cops. And that's a lie. So here is the number of people murdered in America. Really kind of important. Here we are in, uh, in, in 2006, 17,000 Americans murdered in 2006. 2008, 16,000, 2009, 15,000, 2010, 14,000, 14,000, and then in 2015, 2016, stayed up there in 17, the homicide rate, the number of people murdered exploded like nothing we've ever seen before. I presented to the American Sheriff's Association just about a year ago. I said, I, 400 sheriffs in my class said, Sheriff, how many of y'all saw this? None. If this had been the stock market, we hear about it every day. Yes. If it was interest rates or inflation rates, we, we, we'd hear about it at least once a month. How could this be happening year after year and not be in the stinking news? <laughs> and, and the thing to understand is that, uh, that the news is no longer news. It's, it's all opinions. It's all motive-driven. Uh, and, and, and the stuff that is not being reported is mind-boggling. And remember, that medical technology holds it down the murder rate. And on top of that, this year, city after city is telling us they got more homicides so far this year than all of last year put together. Things are bad. Things are desperately bad. And what that means is we need our sheepdogs. Yes. We need our protectors. We desperately need our cops. I tell all my cops and those who support them and those who stand behind them, their families and others, believe in who you are, believe in what you do. It's the worst of times, it's the best of times. Mm -hmm. And your courage and your compassion and your competence shine bright for the darkness of the hour. And you believe in who you are and believe in what you do because the worse it gets, the more determined we are, give it all we got. You know, Susan, I, I just hit 64. I, I, I've been doing this for uh, for 23 years. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I get home one, maybe two nights a week, conjugal visit, clean underwear back on the road. <laughs> Waiting at home for me is my bride of 45 years, my high school sweetheart. We just hit 45 years. Jeez. She was 15. I was 17 when I proposed to her. We are from Arkansas. <laughs> two years later, two years later, she married a crazy army paratrooper. Been in this ride with me for 45 years. I love her more than life itself. And yet I get home one, maybe two nights a week. Because the only people on earth more precious than my bride are my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And we believe if we love our children, if we love our grandchildren, if we love our nation, we love our God, we'll walk out that door and give 100%. And every day that I have the health, every day that somebody wants to hear what I got to give, I'm gonna go out there and do it. 
And it's all about love. As we love our children, as we love our way of life, as we love our community, as we love our nation, our God, we got to walk out that door and give it all we got. And the crazy thing about love is the worse it gets, the more determined we are to do what we do. Yes. And, you know, cops come up to me every day, assign books during the breaks. I talk to them. I say, who are you with? You know, uh, what have they got you doing? And they said, how are you liking it? And you would be astounded at how many cops say, I love what I do. Yes. And retention is down. Recruiting is down. If people knew how much cops love what they're doing, they'd be lining up for this job. And what happens when nobody wants to do this job? What's going to happen when nobody wants to do this job? These are crazy times and the whole defund the police. Where did the crazy idea getting rid of police will make the things better? I'll tell you where that came from. From the youngest days, they saw cops do evil things in the movies and the television and the video games. Cops were the bad guys. Cops are evil. I grew up with Sergeant Friday, just a fax man, one Adam 12, gun smoke. I wanted to be Marshall Dillon. I had the lunchbox, baby, you know? <laughs> And now they grew up with oh, yeah. Breaking Bad and Sons of Anarchy and Sopranos and named me one cop movie in 30 years. Didn't have a bad cop in there somewhere. We all cheer when the bad cop dies. Training Day. Denzel's a bad cop. Denzel Washington's a bad cop. I see in the movie, they're all bad. And what you don't understand is when children watch those movies, those TV shows, it was real to them. They say that, that the criminal quickly forgets the victim, but the victim never forgets the criminal. And they were victimized by cops on that TV show, on that movie. It was real to them. And they grew up thinking cops are evil. We don't understand the harm that we did. We're taking those sick TV shows and sick movies and showing it to children. I hope your kids grew up with reruns of Bonanza and Gunsmoke. <laughs> but the kids who watch the latest worst stuff out there today, those can be some very twisted kids. And we have some very bad times in front of us in the the book of mine that talks about that is Assassination Generation. I was invited to the White House a year ago. The brief of vice president gave him a copy. A year before that, I was invited to the White House to brief the president. That's the Parkland School Master gave him a copy. We don't understand how desperately bad the situation is, how much homicide has exploded, how sick and twisted our society has become. All we know is we want to protect our way of life, protect our families, take our little meadow, our little sheepdog meadow, and make it as safe as humanly possible and believe in who you are, believe in what you do. Absolutely. So given that, that mentality and that information yeah. that I think even a lot of officers in my own profession don't, uh, don't have a grasp of, because a lot of that information that you're throwing yeah. at us is stuff that I've yeah. not heard until right now. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. But even given that, how do you think that, that, that all this stuff affects officers and how they have to do their job and when they're making contact with people that are dangerous? And I mean, it, I think what people may not understand when they come into contact with an officer is that th this is not the only contact of the day. You know what I mean? They've, they've come from yeah. a civil yeah. matter to dealing yeah. with, you know, a kid who might be unruly to dealing with a dangerous subject who robbed a store and then doing a traffic stop all within a two hour yeah. period. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, so how, do, how does this kind of stuff, uh, from your perspective, how does that affect um, the person that's behind the badge and how they deal with those situations? Yeah. That's great. That's a great question. Let's look at this. Uh, let's look again at this data here. And the question is, what happened in 2016, 17? Uh, here's, here's, we got 15, 16, 17 here. Went up in 15, went up in 16, stayed there in 17. Uh, what was the new factor? And the FBI guys, this is straight out of the, uh, straight out of the, uh, the, the FBI's uh, uh, UCR, Uniform Crime Report. Mm -hmm. And the FBI guys have put this data together. They call it the Ferguson effect. 2015, that's old Ferguson incident. And then 2016, five cops murdered in one incident in Dallas, four cops murdered in a single incident in Baton Rouge. And by the way, five dead cops in Dallas is a high score that millions of gangbangers want to beat. And so the FBI guys, they call it the Ferguson effect. They say we've created a sense of anger in our criminals. Like somehow the cops are the bad guys for enforcing the law. Hey, I'm just a burnout old geezer, 64 years old. Maybe I lost it. I always thought if you're criminal, you live your life in fear. You're criminal. You should be paranoid. The world really is out to get you. But now we tell them, no, the cops are the bad guys. And that is a terribly dangerous dynamic. Yes. So what that means is you're not going to get necessarily the compliance that you should. You're not going to get the response that you should. And all we can do is roll with the punches. 
and, and, and do our job as professionally as possible. And here's the key. Please try not to let the anger, try not to let the frustration break through. You will die for that person. If that person was was under fire, you, you would shield them with your body and move them out of the line of fire. You would return fire. You would put yourself in danger for that person. It, 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 cops will die for people they don't even know. We, you know, we did the Sheepdog Kids book. And we said, sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. Yes. And we said, uh, the sheep will die, protect the ones I love, only the sheepdog loves enough to die for other people's loved ones. Only the sheepdog loves enough to die for strangers. So at a gut basic level, you know you're prepared to put your life on the line for that person. It's so much easier to have compassion and empathy for that person. We're not being asked to die right now. We're just being asked to be pleasant. And that's, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's not fair. so bad. I don't have to die today. This guy's not going to make me kill him. This guy's not going to kill me. So right. this is this is a totally different dynamic. If we put it in that perspective, he's not trying to kill me and I don't have to kill him. This is a good one. If we put it in that perspective, is it is it that hard? And I know it takes discipline. It takes structure. It gets frustrating. And we need to spend some time talking about sleep, Susan. It's a critical yes. dynamic. The elephant in the living room, sleep deprived cops. Yes. But it's a constant, it's a constant self-control dynamic that I will remain pleasant and calm, that I will have a pleasant demeanor to everyone. I will not blow my cool. I will not lose my temper. One of the things we strive for is to live our lives in condition yellow and to be the quiet professional. Today, we call it the quiet professional, the laconic Spartan, the stoic Roman, the inscrutable samurai, the stiff upper lip Brit, and the day we talk about the quiet professional. Those are all different ways of saying the same thing, self-control. Mm -hmm. And what sheepdogs, what, what guardians, warriors honor is self-control. Nobody respects your temper tantrum. Nobody right. respects a meter that blows their cool. We're all human. We all lose it sometimes. When we do, we know we made a mistake. We're trying to do a better job next time. Yes. That, I know it's hard. And one of the most important things that we can do is to control the information that comes into our life. Understand this. There's only one thing in the universe you can control. It's yourself. Mm -hmm. now, what other people say and do, you can't change that. At the national level, the local level, what other cops are doing, what your superior, you can't change that. There's only one thing in the universe you can control. It's yourself. And, and if we give way to bitterness, if we give way to cynicism, if we give way to complacency, that's the one thing you can control. And you give a real victory with your own hand, and we will not give them that victory. And so identify the things you can control and do it, and that's yourself and your training and your preparation and your demeanor, and, and, and do those things. And here's the key. Turn off the stinking news on in the background all the time. Yes. Get your news once a day online. Mm -hmm. I, I, I go to Fox News once a day and I skim all the way through. And I read the ones that have a, 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 a you know, you can read the, the subject line and then get the ones you want more information. I don't care what happened to the latest rock star. I don't <laughs> care what happened with sports. I don't care what happened to this, that flaky uh, gal that's out there doing goofy stuff. I care about nuts and bolts of what's happened to our nature and our way of life. And see, when you have CNN, bad, bad, you know, hopefully Fox, but when you've got somebody that's on our side, you can't control what they're saying and mm -hmm. you can't control the flow. When you read the newspaper, you look at it online. I go to foxnews.com once a day and you scan through the headlines and you read the ones that are important and you get rid of the rest and get on with your day. Yes. People have the news on in the background all the time. And that is a source of constant anxiety. Yes. Turn off that TV in the background all the time and you'll watch your blood pressure go down. You'll watch your heart rate go down. There's only one thing in your universe you can control it yourself and your TV and you turn that thing off and don't have that news in the background all the time causing constant anxiety, waiting for the latest horrible thing, waiting for the latest uh, enraging political dynamic to come over the screen. Turn it off. 
and and that's the one thing in your universe you can control. Yes. You know, it used to be once a day we got the news in the newspaper, we read the morning news, and then we got on with our lives. And that's not a bad way to lead your life. Remember, when you listen to the news, you can only control it. All you can do is listen. They control what they say. They control how fast they say it. They, you, you got stupid stuff. You don't care. Skim over that stuff. When you're reading, you can skip that stuff. But when you listen to TV, they control what you hear. They control you, the flow of ideas. And, and, and so control dynamics. Identify the things you can do and do them. And I cannot overstate the harm that's being done. Heart rate goes up. Blood pressure goes up when that TV's on around you. Uh, you know, just turn it off. Watch the shows you want to show. Turn it back off again and, and get your news online one, one time a day and get on with life. And, and you will be amazed at what a difference it can make in allowing you to deal with things calmly. Uh, there's nothing that news is going to tell you that's going to change except to cause anxiety and distress and concern. Turn it off and drive on and, and, and believe in who you are and believe in what you do and be guided by by your own ability to influence and interact and your loved ones and your comrades. And that's our circle of influence. Those are the people we deal with. Let go of everything else. And we can control that. We can do that. The other Dave, major thing, again, yes, please. I, well, I just wanted to ask you a question. How do you think we're going to get this public perception turned around so that officers aren't having these feelings? I deal with it every day in the office that they, they just feel so defeated that the public isn't supporting them. And we all know that this is a minority group. This is not the majority of people in this country. The majority, I do believe, support their police officers. But how do you think this we're going to get this out. narrative turned around for yeah, them? Yeah, it's tied into that social media and yeah. uh, the news that yeah. are constantly feeding yeah. us that, that information, yeah, yeah. that narrative. It, it's, it truly is going to take a generation, folks. Mm -hmm. And what you got to do is understand this. The, the opinion polls tell us over and over again that two most respected institutions in America are military and law enforcement over and over again, in spite of the propaganda, in spite of the sick movies and TV shows we fed them as children. The vast, vast majority of Americans respect two institutions above all else, military and law enforcement. And the polls show that over and over again, attacking our cops politically is one of the stupidest things anybody could ever do. Yes. They, they're going to pay a price for that. There will be a yes. reckoning for that. But in the meanwhile, understand again that it, it may take a generation to turn that thing around. Right. What is the one thing in the universe you can control? It's yourself. And maybe your family and your sphere of influence, the ones around you. And, and I want to give you a story. I think that's pretty important that, uh, that ties into what we ought to do. You know what? Uh, uh, I, I, I want to show you a photograph of Officer Greg Stevens. <laughs> in uh, May of 2015, at the Draw the Prophet Muhammad Art Festival outside of Dallas, Texas, mm -hmm. they had the Draw the Prophet Muhammad Art Festival. Now, in the eyes of Islam, to draw the prophet is a terrible crime. Right. And they're afraid to draw bad guys in a dip. Two art critics from Arizona showed up with AK-47s and body armor. There were two of them. They had body armor. They had rifles. It could have been the Pulse nightclub times two. The FBI says this is the first ISIS-directed attack on American soil. These two idiots came up online, said, we want to die for the cause. What should we do? They said, go to go, uh, uh, Garland, Texas, right outside of Dallas, to draw the Prophet Muhammad Art Festival and kill them all. They said, Roger out. They drove all the way across America, partway across to get to Texas. They rolled out of the vehicle. And a 59-year-old traffic cop with a pistol killed them both. Yep. One of the greatest feats of marksmanship and courage in American yep. history. And again, I show people Officer Greg Stevens. He, uh, and, and, and it was an incredible act of marksmanship and valor. Prior to that point, he had never fired his weapon in life and death event. He was not a SWAT dog. He was not a competitive shooter. But his department had an open range one day a month. Ammo was free, the range was open, and he was there. For 37 years, once a month, Officer Greg Stevens made a deposit in a savings account. In May of 2015, he made a major withdrawal. He trained for a lifetime. How much golfing could he have done you know, one, one, one Saturday a month for 37 years? How much time could he have spent with his family? 
He did the one thing we can control is ourselves and the train and prepare and equip. So I'll give you a story on this. to kind of angle on all this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a game and fish officer in Arkansas, a name of Mike <laughs> Neal. And, Dave, uh, you, and you remember when you and I met him, we met him together yeah, teaching up in yeah. Hot Springs. That's right. That's and right. he debriefed us. Remember that? Yes, and, he sure and did. Two white supremacists, two white supremacists had, uh, had murdered two cops outside of West Memphis, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And there was a dragnet. And cops from 100 miles away were all coming. Officer Mike Neal came 90 miles an hour to get there. Now, fishing game officer. He pulls into Walmart. These two idiots, father and son, white supremacists, killed two cops and then went to Walmart and went shopping. They just got on with their lives. And the sheriff, who was unarmed, and the sheriff didn't even run for re-election. The sheriff was a destroyed human being, caught under fire and didn't even have a gun on him. The sheriff and a deputy were crouched down behind their crown vic- behind their vehicle. These two idiots were leaning out the window of their van, shooting at the sheriff and the, and the deputy. And, and Mike Neal rams into them with his truck. Uh, his, Mike Neal's truck is now in the National uh, Law Enforcement Museum. He rams into him 40 miles an hour. You can see it on the, on the security video. And then he's got his, his AR, he's got his rifle in the passenger seat. He picks up his AR, shooting through the glass and through their vehicle. He kills these two individuals. Mike Neal told us, he said, uh, I'm the kind of cop every cops make fun of. He said, they don't make fun of me no more. Today, he's been elected sheriff of the county, deeply respected, shot more bad guys in the flu vaccine. But those words, I'm the kind of cop other cops make fun of. Yep. They don't make fun of me no more. Be that cop. Well, you go to the ranch on your own time. Got a good pay on you. What do you go to the ranch for? Because I'm a Texas cop and I live on dirt That's and the right. ammo's free. Yeah, I'm going. It's a one thing university can't control. You know, our big motto that we uh, we use throughout the class is piss on golf. Real Americans go to the range. <laughs> and the golf course is a willful and deliberate misuse of a perfectly good rifle range. Amen. I see a t-shirt in our future. Amen. Uh, uh, and, and of course, it's all in fun. And sometimes our golfers are best shots. But we can all think about how we spend our time and how we spend our money that better prepare for a moment of truth. And it's the worst of times, it's the best of times. And truly that compassion and that courage shine bright for the darkness of the hour. And our sheepdogs are noble and brave and the worse it gets, the more determined we are to give it all we can. Mm-hmm. And so identify the one thing you really can control and do it. Train, prepare, equip. And yeah, maybe be that cop that other cops make fun of. Because at the moment or two, they ain't making fun no more. Seek that training, carry that equipment, push the envelope, listen to these podcasts. And, and invest yourself in wisdom and knowledge. You get mentally and physically and spiritually prepared for, for your moment of truth. That's the one thing universe we can control. Absolutely. Oh, the other thing is sleep. We'll get a chance, Susan. We really need to talk about sleep. It's the elephant yes. in the living room. It is the one yes. area we can make the greatest difference. Yes. And you can start to rock your world starting tonight when you go to sleep. So understand a couple of things right up front. Sleep is a biological blind spot. Our bodies don't know how to make us get enough sleep because it always happened naturally. Mm-hmm. Throughout history, every night, without fail, it got dark <laughs> and there was nothing to do. Yeah, a little sex, a little talking, you went to sleep. And then we invented the light bulb, the television, the video game. Suddenly we go 24 seven and our bodies don't know how to make us get enough sleep. Our bodies are pretty good at getting air, air food, water. Ever think how good the body is getting right amount of food? How much extra food would a kid have to eat to put on one extra pound a month? If a kid puts on one pound a month, by the time he's 10, he's 120 pounds overweight. As we get older, it gets harder. But our bodies are pretty good at getting air food, water. Our bodies don't know how to make us get enough sleep. It's a biological blind spot. We have got to manage our sleep. There's nothing tough. There's nothing impressive about going without sleep. And a 10-year-old girl's slumber party can do it. The <laughs> professional thing is to manage your sleep. I'm a huge fan of this fitness tracker. If I were king, could every every cop a present, I give everybody a fitness tracker. I think the Fitbit Charge 3 might be doing the best job. It's waterproof, wear it in the shower, wear it in the pool. Just download the app and wear that, fit, that fitness tracker. It will track your heart rate throughout the day. And that's important data. 
It's critical data to know where I was, heart rate wise, at this time, at this time. It will track your steps and your calories, and it will track your sleep and your cycles of sleep, and it will rock your world. As an adult, you need a minimum of seven hours sleep a day. Eight is better as an adult. And, and it will tell you, it will track your sleep. It will tell you if you've gotten four or five hours of sleep a night for the last two months, you can't keep going this way. You've got to change this. And, and you can track your sleep. And, and, and we've got to do that. And so that, that, that tracking your sleep, sleep's a biological blind spot. But another angle is, a, is this intrusive technology, text messaging in the middle of the night, yes, addictive video games. We don't understand. Right now, 200 million people are online playing video games. We do this and 0.05%. Oh, quit time to quit the game. So they never do that again. We do this. Absolutely nobody quits. They do more of that. It's a constant interactive algorithm computer-driven, computer-recorded, a millions of data points that make that game impossible to turn off. All the old timers out there, remember Tetris? Think oh, Tetris yes. on steroids with crap. And each generation of video games becomes more addictive. It's designed to put you in a flow state. We've all been there. Suddenly it's three o'clock in the morning, got no idea where the last six hours went, <laughs> and your spouse is sincerely ticked off. Research <laughs> tells us at least, at least, 15% of all divorces in America, video games are the cause. Yes. Spouse says, what's more important, the game or your family, your marriage? Oh, it's easy. 15% of all divorces, boom, video games the cause. And so here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with adults playing any game, but set a timer. Block out an hour or two every night. Escape from the world. Ding, the timer goes off. Use your steely discipline get on with your life. Wow. I play a major, massive, metamorphic online orgasmic game. You can't do anything an hour or two long. Okay, okay, okay. Decide now what's important. Right. Yeah. Is your oath as a peace officer important? Is your vow of marriage important? Is your family important? Is your health important? Is your job important? Or is a game important? Decide now. So if that game's what's really important, it's cool. Quit your job right now. Move into your parents' basement. Draw unemployment. Buy a Johnny Connolly sized bag of Cheetos. Play video games all night long. Millions of people are doing that. But if you want to have a life, if you want to uphold your vow of marriage, your oath as a peace officer, your responsibility, your family, your community, you got to get those games under control. And I'll say that to audience of hundreds of military law enforcement, and a good chunk will look at me like a deer in the headlights. Say, oh, you're talking to me, man. It's cool. It, it was a it's social a blind spot. spot. Nobody yeah. ever told you that. Now you know, and you can't deny it. And look, if somebody showed up work drunk, we kick his ass. If he shows up work sleep deprived because he played games all night long, he needs his ass kicked. Here's the key dynamic. 18 hours without sleep and your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. 24 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk. Mm -hmm. Two nights without sleep and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell you about the, the third day without sleep, they're having hallucinations. And we're in the middle of a worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the key thing to understand, folks. Here's the key. Here's where it all comes together. Sleep creates impaired judgment, and that leads to suicides and traffic deaths. Yes. In our military, some of the research tells us a sleep-deprived soldier can be five times more likely to take their life. No doubt. Taking your life is not a natural act. You have to have profoundly impaired judgment to take your life. Mm -hmm. Alcohol and suicide have always been related. Alcohol creates impaired judgment, make a bad decision, have a chance to rethink it. But the most pervasive form of impaired judgment is sleep deprivation. Yes. And so the, the, and the, and, and the, the major factor in traffic deaths is sleep deprivation and, and, and alcohol. So the two major killer for cops, suicide and traffic tests. And the number one thing we can do to address those is sleep. Mm -hmm. If we gave a damn about police suicides, if we gave a damn about police dying and traffic deaths, the two major killer for cops, we would mandate sleep for law enforcement. If I were king and could pass one law, I'd mandate sleep for all first responders. Oh, oh then we wouldn't have enough. Then pay them more and hire more, and we will. <laughs> we're a wealthy nation. When things go bad, we throw money at it. 
And we have not even begun to throw money at this problem. When people realize how bad crime really is, when they understand how bad the situation really is, mm-hmm. you'll start seeing cops get paid what they deserve to be paid. But right now, just understand the one thing you control is sleep. Now, here's parenting 101 from the 21st century. The three major killers of our kids, suicides have exploded. Traffic deaths have exploded and drug overdoses. The three major killers worldwide have exploded and the major killers of our kids. Mm-hmm. Now, I had three teenage boys. Now I've got a teenage grandson that just went to college. Oh, uh, I just turned 18 and went out to college this summer. But I, I had three teenage boys. Now I've got teenage grandkids. And back in those days, the number one killer of our kids was traffic deaths. And so I, I was the number one thing we should be concerned about. I was scared sick about traffic deaths. I think most likely to kill my kids. I made sure all three boys had cars with airbags and two out of three tested them. But nobody told me the most important thing was to have a good night's sleep before they get behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever told me that. It's so obvious. And, and, and suicides, teen suicides, teenagers, call them teenagers, 10, 11, 12 year olds. Teenage girls' suicide rate has tripled per capita American just the last decade. So here's parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away yes, from them. please. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They have got to go to the room and get a good night's sleep. A cop came up during a break in one of my presentations. He said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, so I trust her, let her keep her cell phone. A little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And he said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived tormented and tortured to death in front of my eyes and I let it happen. Mm-hmm. He said, I can't, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? Mm-hmm. He said, the one thing in the universe I could have done for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. Who's going to be your mommy? Who's yeah. going to make you get this? We got to make it happen. The third major killer that's exploded worldwide is drug overdoses, especially opiates. Why opiates? Prescription opiates have always been there. Sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Sleep deprivation creates chronic pain, and pain creates sleep deprivation. It's a vicious cycle. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill fix. You don't need a pill. You need more sleep. And you got to knock off the caffeine shortly after lunch that's stopping you from getting deep cycle sleep. A worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation and caffeine abuse mm-hmm. is creating a worldwide epidemic of chronic pain and opiate epidemic. And so the one thing we can do right now, starting tonight, is get a good night's sleep. And it begins by sleeping in a totally dark room. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, kids are up all night long playing video games. When do they sleep? Through the morning. But the sun's coming in the window, they're getting bad quality sleep. Teach your children to sleep in the dark. Babies are sloshing with melatonin. Babies can sleep anywhere. As we get older and older, the body produces less and less melatonin. By the time we become teenagers, it really becomes important to sleep in a truly, totally dark room. And combine that with the sleep mask. Uh, uh, the military were passing out the sleep mask to our troops by the fistful. We just we pass out. They all look like Lone Ranger without the eyeballs, and, and it worked. Make the room as dark as you can and combine it with the sleep mask starting tonight, and you will rock your world. Without one more minute of sleep, you will get quality sleep by doing a totally dark room. I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website, ScienceDaily.com. Major study in the sleep lab, totally dark room, bathroom light is on, the door is shut. Mm -hmm. The light coming out of the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop your body from producing the melatonin that you need. And of course, if you work Mm -hmm. a night shift and you sleep during the day, the military or spec ops, we teach them to put aluminum foil over the window and block out all light. It's not just keep the brain waves out. It's to keep all light out. (laughs) 
and, and totally black out that room. I'm talking aluminum foil over the window or making the dark you can and combine it with a good sleep mask. And, and, and so folks, we, we, we a couple of dynamics, cut off caffeine shortly after lunch. Mm-hmm. The caffeine makes you have bad quality sleep. The half-life of caffeine in your body is 10 hours, or uh, half-life is five hours. Mm-hmm. That means the caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still a half strength when you go to bed at 10 p.m. 10. It'll make us have bad quality sleep. We're not getting that deep cycle sleep. And by the way, sleep deprivation and lack of deep cycle sleep appear to be one of the biggest predictors of Alzheimer's and dementia. Yes. Alzheimer's dementia should scare the daylights out of us. And sleep deprivation and bad quality sleep, lack of deep cycle sleep, study after study telling us is a major factor in dementia and Alzheimer's. We need to pace ourselves for the long game. We need four-quarter players. We need seasoned players. And, and one other thing, and this is this is really pretty important. The minimum nap is 30 minutes. 30 minutes on a good nap, it's a minimum yeah. nap. But you're driving down the road to hit it, Bob, and take a little micro naps. We've all been there, little micro naps. Right? Pull over, take 10 minute nap, the alarm goes off. Kind of a startle response. But as far as sleep goes, that 10 minute nap was a total waste of time. Yep. Take a 30 minute nap. The alarm goes off. You're bleary and you're groggy. You don't want to get up. You know why? Because you're asleep. It takes 30 minutes for solid sound, deep cycle. Dang it. I want to get back up and sleep. And anything less than 30 minutes is pretty much a waste of time. So that means the snooze alarm is not our friend. The snooze alarm is always set for about 10 minutes. That's just a get the shuttle response. We've all been there. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. That's true. So, <laughs> just reminds me how undisciplined I am. Another snooze, a third snooze. You just threw away 30 minutes of your life. You and anybody in the room with you threw away 30 minutes of your life with those three snoozes. There are no as far as sleep goes and no as far as your life goes. I will teach you a trick that will put 30 minutes of quality sleep back in every day. That is up to three and a half hours sleep back in every week, two pure beautiful nights sleep back in every month, 24 nights sleep back in every year. Very simple. Set the alarm a half hour later and get the hell out of bed. <laughs> and if that's not thinking hard to get out of bed, what's your body trying to tell you? You need more sleep. And here's the key. Willpower, grit, determination, self-control. Give a kid a marshmallow. So you need this marshmallow right now. I'll be back in three minutes. If you don't need it, I got another one for you. That is the greatest predictor of success in life. You cannot change your IQ. You cannot change your kid's IQ. But you can change your self-discipline starting tonight. When the alarm goes off, get the hell out of bed. Now, you know, uh, uh, those of us in the military, the drill sergeant taught us very early on, when the drill sergeant get up in the morning, we got up in the morning. Otherwise, get to dump your bed over. And, 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 and we can develop that discipline. But are you in charge of your body? Your body in charge of you. Muhammad Ali, boxer, great champion. He said championship began every morning, the alarm went off. He hated running so bad, he put his running shoes on top of the alarm. He went to the alarm, he grabbed his running shoes. That's champion willpower. That's self-discipline. That's that that's what we're talking about. Grit, determination, the quiet professional, that is self-control. And it starts tonight. Set your set your cell phone. For 10 alarms, six o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock. By the time you turn all those alarms off, you're up. <laughs> and the you that gets up in the, the you that goes to bed at night has got to make you that get up in the morning, get hell in bed. What are the things you can start doing tonight? Sleep in a totally dark room. Go online, order some of the sleep masks. I did a piece on Facebook recently on what I thought were some of the better masks and why they work for me. Uh, 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 teach your children to sleep in the dark. Cut off caffeine shortly after lunch and, and, and strive to get about minimum seven hours of sleep. And, you know, put, put that, that, that fitness tracker on your, on your birthday list or your Christmas list to get given to you. It will rock your world to give you critical information and, and, and start being a responsible citizen and a responsible parent. Uh, uh, when we're sleep deprived, we do things and say things we'll regret for the rest of our lives. And yep. two other dynamics is shift work. Now, most of you can't control your shift. Don't cop a pity party here. But the research is overwhelming that 12-hour shifts are a disaster. Yes. Any major department that switches to 12s. California had where people went to 12s, dropped a year later like a hot rock. Mm-hmm. Accidents exploded, internal affairs investigations, complaints exploded. 
at the end of 12 hours, people are exhausted and they will say things and do things that will regret for the rest of their lives. They want to be like firefighters, work 12 hour shifts, get all that time off. While firefighters <laughs> get a sleep on the job. Only firefighters and prostitutes make money in bed. <laughs> And you went no fire, baby. Yeah. There's another T-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, run with that one. I give that one to you. Run with that one. All right. So, okay. now, that tens are doable. The data's there. Tens are doable. Put a hard cap on it. Mm -hmm. But the single most irresponsible thing we could possibly do is rotating shifts. Yes. The data is overwhelming. Rotating shifts take years off people's lives. It destroys families. Mm -hmm. Families can handle light shift. Families can handle day shift. They cannot handle rotating shifts right. and it gives everybody jet lag. Every time you rotate shifts, you want to rotate shifts at once a month, no, no, line everybody up once a month, kick them right dead in the nuts. They get over that in a couple of days. <laughs> rotating shifts messes them up for a month. Yes. And, 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 and folks, uh, when we rotate shifts, we give everybody behind the eight ball. Everybody's, everybody's, it, it got jet lag. We've got to create as much shift stability as humanly possible. Absolutely. And the old timers do what they're doing. Eight hour shifts, tens are doable, put a hard cap on it, and bid for your shift based on seniority. Exactly. You want to stay at nights? Good for you. Stay at nights, hunt the wolf. It took up to, maybe up to a whole year for your body to fully adapt to nights. Stay on nights. You want to move the days? You've earned it. You've got the seniority. It's the only fair thing to do. And so there's things that we can control by passing laws to mandate sleep, by having policy that doesn't have rotating shifts and don't go over 10 hours. And there's things we can do starting tonight to rock our world. Mm -hmm. We can't control what the world's doing right now. We can't control all that crazy stuff out there. All we can do is train mm -hmm. and prepare and do our best for a moment of truth. Yes. Sometimes the greatest love, the Bible says, greater love is no one than this that they give their life to their friends. Yep. But there's many ways to give your life. And sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. Amen. For all you magnificent men and women out there living that life of sacrifice, we honor you and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And believe, believe with all your heart, the vast majority of law enforcement, the vast majority of our population strongly supports law enforcement. Yes. The defund the police movement is insane. And the vast, vast majority of citizens know it. It is a political suicide yes. for any politician at the state or national level to support defunding police. They will be they will be politically suicide. I think these coming elections will see a turnover that maybe put point us in the right direction. A lot of places people are seeing things that scare the hell out of them. They should be scared. These are crazy yes. bad times. Lawlessness and vandalism mayors and governors telling people to disobey the law sanctuary states and sanctuary sanctuary states whole states telling people to not obey the law you know uh, uh supreme court justice louis brandeis great quote from uh, old louis brandeis supreme court justice said crime is contagious the government becomes a lawbreaker of the government tells you to disobey the law it breeds contempt for law it invites every man to call law himself it invites anarchy. That's what we're talking about right now. Anarchy, contempt for law, breakdown of civilization. And the vast, vast majority of American citizens are behind our cops in the face of this horror. And if they knew how bad it really was, remember, the number of dead people completely misrepresent the situation. We're saving lives every day. And, and in spite of all that, homicide has exploded. City after city right now, I've seen more homicides this year than all of last year put together. Mm -hmm. In the face of that, the American public will rally behind our, our sheepdogs. Yes. And you believe in who we are and do the one thing the university can do, starting the night, get a good night's sleep yes. and, and manage your life and manage your resources. Understand your sphere of influence and do everything you can to train and prepare. Be like Sheriff Mike Neal, the kind of cop other cops make fun of. They don't make fun of me no more. Mm -hmm. You see your <laughs> friends, you see a cop, you see a cop carrying golf clubs. You see a cop carrying golf clubs, yeah, look them in the eye. I've done one thing for me. Uh, uh, let the sheep go graze on the golf course. We ain't got time for decadent trivial events. Yeah, and I want to touch right, on that, that discipline yeah, and that, yeah. what we're talking about as far as training and being disciplined and trying to reorganize your life to be successful. Because that's I think that's why we started this whole discussion, why we wanted to have yes. a podcast yes. or some kind of forum for this. And 
for any of those officers who are hearing this stuff for the first time and it's kind of ringing bells, that's exactly what happened to me back in January when I started working with Under the Shield and Susan in, in particular, is a lot of these things started to line up and make a lot more sense for me and I started to understand where I was falling short. I, I'm one of those guys that I, I train hard, I work hard. When I show up, I, I doubt that there's anybody at my department that would say that, regardless of the other bad things they might say about me, <laughs> they will never say that I don't work hard, right? And I, I take my job seriously, I love what I do. Um, but I was falling to pieces and it's just like what you're talking about this this sleep deprivation was huge uh, Vitamin B a bunch of other things. So I would just recommend any of you that are watching this uh, Contact under the shield go to their Facebook page do whatever you got to do to reach out to them and try and find some more Education on this particular topic because it, it it'll change the way that you see your job and it'll help you and your family uh, especially your marriage uh, from falling to pieces because it, it, it can be a mess when it, you, you're not the only one that's affected by by you not being squared away. Right. Um, so it's really wow, that important so that well you can said, that you can build yourself up like that. Well, Dave, uh, all it, I can say is yeah. I'm gonna write you in for president. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm such a fan of what you guys are doing under the shield. And what you just said says it all, Ace. Uh, seek more information, you know, get that, that, that well-rounded life. And, you know, we've all heard of EQ, emotional quotient. We know about mm -hmm. IQ, intelligence, right? Yes. We also know about EQ, emotional intelligence. And that's mm -hmm. the hardest thing of all in so many ways. And I work with the people doing that at the national level, you know, and we got guys that, yeah, baby, I got EQ. I got EQ coming up my ears. I got, I got EQ to spare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you take a shower periodically. Oh yeah. yeah. You, you, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. And how about sleep? Oh, sleep is for the dead. <laughs> you ain't got no stinking EQ, baby. You failed the test. Yep. You know? I mean, taking a shower and putting on clean clothes periodically, these are baseline dynamics of being a, a, a functioning human being. And getting enough sleep is another baseline. And it's a, it's a biological blind spot. It's a social blind spot. And, and, and we got to address it. And you ain't got no EQ until you get this under control. And and the, and there are supplements. I'm a huge fan of supplements. Vitamin B you mentioned, uh, zinc, magnesium on the way to yep. bed. Uh, yep. As you get older, I think melatonin, a little little baby dose of melatonin is not a bad thing. The body produces less and less. You get older and older. Uh, there are things that we can be doing, and there's nobody on the on the planet I would trust more that guide me down that path than, than Susan. True. You guys are good for my ego is all I can say. <laughs> we need to do this once a week at least. <laughs> well, Dave, I cannot thank you enough for agreeing to give us your time. I know how valuable it is, but I just know that this podcast is going to mean a lot to so many people who haven't had a chance to hear you or haven't heard you in a while. They certainly all know you. Um, but we just want to thank you so much. And hopefully you and I are going to be back out on the road running into each other again real soon. Yeah, so. And uh, you're one of the very few people that's welcome in every one of my presentations. I always introduce you that got a stack of your cards there, tuck one in every book. Uh, you're, you're just you're just doing some great stuff and, and believe in who you are, believe in what you do. And, and of course, the same thing is true. All the magnificent men and women out there. Sometimes greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. You know, I didn't have to die today. I didn't have to kill anybody today. All I had to do is be polite to people. This was an easy day. This yes. is a good day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, God bless you, my friend. And again, I look forward to seeing you on the road and sharing the stage with you again, hopefully real soon. And uh, we will certainly pass this podcast on to you. Uh, hopefully it'll be up this afternoon and we'll make sure that you can share it with all of your followers. And uh, if we can ever do anything for you or anyone you come across at Under the Shield, you know how to reach me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you ever want to come back on, that'd be great. We, uh, I, I feel like a lot of the people that we have um, reached already. We're really excited about this episode. A lot of them have read your books. I just got through on Killing Again, and I am a huge fan. I'm probably going to go through that one again. I like yeah. the psychological study. Well, and you know, um, far more important, Ace, in, is, is on combat. If you haven't read it, it we'll is. get you a copy. That, I, I read that one when I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we, um, I felt like this conversation was great. I feel like the the officers who are listening to this and hopefully their families yes. too we, we really hope families uh listen in to these conversations because i feel like it kind of gives them a glimpse on some of the stuff that we're thinking and dealing with and the problems that we're facing and the solutions that we're trying to come up with because that's that's our constant job it's not it's a constant evolution of problem and solution yes and so i i think that this uh 
highlighted a lot of things that we could do to make ourselves better and to help move forward and be better in our profession and, and be like that one sheriff you were talking about. So I hope that we can all do those things. And I was really grateful for the conversation. Thank you, sir. What, a, what an honor. You guys are doing great stuff. I'm going to put this on my podcast. I think, you know, for just a one hour block hitting the high points, this might yes. be one of the best I've ever done. Awesome. Uh, just hitting really the high ground. That. Thanks for, for pointing me in the right direction and turning me loose. And uh, we'll get the word out. Great. Thank oh, you, Dave. Take care. It. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And as we wrap up this mm-hmm. second podcast here, I think that was um, going to be a hard act for a lot of people to follow. I do want to have <laughs> Mike Neal on the sheriff. He was talking about Mike is one of mine. Yep. And um, Dave and I met him within a few months of that incident. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna to have him on here too. But uh, again, Under the Shield is here for all of you in law enforcement, first responders, military, and your families. Don't hesitate to call us. Our phone number is going to be posted at the end. We're stress coaches. We're not mandated reporters. And we hope you'll continue to follow us every week here on Fight in Progress. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a good day.